As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I don't know if you recall uh, Samson. He was in this porcelain kind of cube with windows in the front and the scales. And that really was not a good way to maintain a uh, great ape in human care. We really started focusing on uh, the animal care and welfare. And that's, that's something that's really important. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. A walk on the wild side. For more than 125 years, the Milwaukee County Zoo has taken guests all around the world without ever leaving Wisconsin, with animals and experiences you won't find anywhere else in the Midwest. And for the past 30 years, the man guiding the zoo's efforts has been director Charles Chuck Wickenhauser. From his office right off the main entrance, we discuss the changes he's seen across the country as zoos focus on conservation. That's seen here in Milwaukee through the new elephant exhibit and what's coming for the zoo's hippos as well. We also get into some amazing trips he's taken to Africa, Iceland, and other places, some of his favorite or most underrated exhibits here in Milwaukee, and more. Plus, we'll have the Fox six-pack of questions with Ben Handelman, but first, the king of Milwaukee's jungle, Chuck Wickenhauser. Very happy to be joined by the director of the Milwaukee County Zoo, Chuck Wickenhauser, with us in his offices. So I guess we're on your turf here, Chuck. Thank you very much for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Excited to get into all sorts of things with you, but I have to start with this since uh, we'll take the viewers inside your office a little bit. There's some great Dr. Seuss books behind you, all sorts of different things that you would assume uh, with someone who operates a zoo, pictures and mugs and animals and everything. This has been, I imagine, a lifelong love affair for you, not just the time you've been here in Milwaukee, but animals in general going back a while? Oh, literally it has. Um, I remember uh, in fourth grade moving to a farm, and uh, not only did we have the livestock associated with it, but there was a nice uh, wooded area with a stream going through it. So I had the perfect opportunity to gain some uh, real uh, warmth and, uh, and likeness for, for wildlife, yes. We'll get into lots of things uh, over the course of this conversation, but I'd be curious right off the bat, what makes this time, winter 2020, a very exciting and very busy time for the Milwaukee County Zoo? Well, a number of things. Uh, we have a few years ago, developed a master plan for the development and redevelopment of the zoo. And that was to really uh, go back and address a number of the older exhibits that are original from the late uh, 50s and early 60s. And our, our first real project out of that master plan was called Adventure Africa. It has three phases. And we were just able this past uh, spring to open up uh, the first phase, which included a new elephant exhibit, which is very dear to my heart, as well as some other mixed species. And right now, we have under construction a hippo exhibit, which will feature underwater viewing of, uh, of our hippos, and, and something that I think 
the visitors are just going to find spectacular. There aren't many of those in the United States, and something that we're going to have a unique opportunity here for for the visitors. That's one of the fun things that I found just doing some research for this as well, is that I, I, the Milwaukee Zoo is not overlooked because you guys get more than a million vi- visitors, but maybe people here don't realize how special it is to have this and have so many different animals and exhibits right here where you don't need to travel and, and go see something in Chicago or in elsewhere in the Midwest. Well, we hear that frequently from our visitors who say, oh, I went to this zoo or I went to that zoo. They don't compare to Milwaukee. So that's, that's great for us to hear. And I know especially, uh, as I mentioned, the elephant exhibit, uh, we have the only elephants in the Midwest uh, from North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, and Michigan. There are no elephants there. You'd have to go to St. Louis or to uh, one of the, uh, Indianapolis or one of the zoos in Ohio. So, hmm. so it's a real destination for people who really want to see some neat animals. Yeah, and adding to it, right? Because there was a third that joined the, uh, the pair this fall, is that correct? Yes. Uh, Belle came to us from the Riverbank Zoo and Gardens in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And she's right now being integrated into the group. There's quite a social structure or hierarchy in, in elephants. And it's not something where you just open the doors and they're together. It takes them a while to get used to each other, to know each other, and, and really, I think, trust each other that they're going to yeah. not hurt one another. So. I imagine um, the zookeepers, specifically working with the elephants, see this every day, but you and your work are in chances to talk with them or stop by. Do you see relationships growing, much like it would be with, with people and with humans, as friendship grows and things like that? That's throughout the animal collection. Uh, whenever you go into one of our animal areas, especially behind the scenes, and you talk with the keepers, they have a relationship with the animals they care for, whether it's a uh, a reptile or amphibian, or whether it's a, a large uh, cat or primate, or even larger like the elephants or hippos. They know them very well. They know what their behavior patterns are. They know when they're not feeling well or when they are feeling well. They know when they're happy hmm. or something's bugging them, I guess yeah. you would say. So yes, the keepers have a, a wonderful relationship between the, the animals they care for and themselves. For you, we were just saying 2020, a, a fun year as well, because you're celebrating 30 years here at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Started as the director back in 1990. Uh, I'd be curious if you can go back then, what drew you to Milwaukee? I know you're from the Midwest originally, I believe, and had worked uh, around different parts of the area. But what drew you to this zoo and to Milwaukee? And then what's kept you here over three decades as well? Well, I grew up in central Illinois, and we used to come up in the Milwaukee area for uh, vacations, visit friends, and uh, one of those places was to go to the zoo. As a matter of fact, I have a photo of two of my sisters and myself sitting on a bench at the old Washington Park Zoo. (laughs) So uh, that's kind of been in our blood for a long time. But uh, having visited this zoo and wanting to really have an opportunity to grow in my profession, uh, when the uh, opportunity came to come here, I, I just could not refuse it. I know uh, my family, we moved them a few times. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we, we said we're moving to Milwaukee, there was a little disparity in <laughs> what they thought. But once they got here, uh, the warmth of the community, the um, really the aspects, the cultural facilities that are here, the schools, uh, they, they adjusted right away and yeah. have 
we're really happy. Yeah, and turn this into a home, I imagine, as well. Yes, uh, it is. Uh-huh. You mentioned some of the, the recent changes coming to the zoo and some chances to do some projects that I'm sure were a long time coming. What have been some of the changes that you've seen either here in Milwaukee or just in zoos across the country over 30 years when it comes to some of the focus or some of the mission as well? Well, the focus for for zoos certainly over the last since the seventies, I would say, when uh, zoos were still more of uh, menageries or collections, uh, specimen. You know, sometimes they refer to it refer to it as a postage stamp collection. We got one of those, or two of those, or three of those, or whatever it might be. But we really started focusing on uh, the animal care and welfare, and that's that's something that's really important. And some of the older exhibits, um, I don't know if you recall, um, and many people do, uh, Samson. He was in this porcelain kind of cube with windows in the front and a scales. And that really was not a good way to uh, maintain a uh, a great ape in in human care. From that point, exhibits evolved to become certainly more responsive to the animal welfare needs and then also to be more uh, immersive as far as the visitor experience, too. We can't duplicate the wild, but at the same time, we can just um, mimic it enough that it gives you some kind of feeling as to what the the true uh, um, area that the animal comes from might be. Uh, We open up some things that that introduce you to smells and, Mm -hmm. and sounds, and it makes it a better experience for the visitor. Yeah, all the senses, I guess, then uh, yes. <laughs> involved in the trip to the zoo as well. Um, the conservation efforts seem, seem like that has been a really big push, certainly here and, and certainly in other zoos as well. Have you seen that shift where it's not just bringing people here as entertainment, but it is the education, it is what can we do for these actual home uh, areas for the animals overseas and in other parts of the world as well? We refer to our animal collection as really ambassadors for those animals that are in the wild. And there's nothing that can replace that personal experience of viewing a live animal. I don't care if it's a video or a photo or it's a virtual reality, whatever it might be. Uh, and by subtly introducing them that way and the conservation aspects of, of what we do, uh, what they can do, that's that's something that yes has become very important and our educational programs feature a conservation theme throughout uh, our uh, Coleswild Theater which is a theatrical performance that we have here on grounds that uh, shows about four times a day and then goes into schools in the off season they all have a conservation theme too so here's the problem here's how you can help now go home and see if you can't uh, do something to help Interesting. Um, the elephants specifically, it seemed like, again, from some of the articles I was reading, are uh, interesting decision that different zoos across the country have made, whether to keep elephant exhibits or whether, like you guys, to invest heavily in, and make them a focal point and, and give them the space and the care and the money that they need. Why have those animals in particular kind of become that, not dividing line, but it seems like it goes one way or the other with different zoos? Well, I think some of it uh, has to do with the... Um, animal rights organizations who do not like zoos and want to see them all close. Uh, Elephants seem to be kind of a lightning rod species as well as maybe some great apes and things. But when we look at it and what we can do, how we can care for elephants, uh, it really was not a difficult decision for us. uh, Some zoos have gotten out of it. Standards for maintaining elephants in in, elephants human care, uh, the accreditation standards by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, 
changed in about uh, 2010, 2015 again. And you have to have a certain um, ability as far as physical facilities. Mm. You have to be able to maintain a minimum of three elephants if you're just going to house them uh, without breeding, a minimum of five elephants if you're going to uh, have uh, encourage reproduction in your herd. And we looked at how can we help most. And once some of the zoos, uh, they have lost a, an elephant, uh, for instance, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, where we got the uh, bell, uh, they had two, and they have to make a decision. If you can't manage three, then you'll have to eventually move out your, your collection. They lost one, so they couldn't keep one elephant, mm-hmm. and the best place for that elephant was coming here. She's the same age as ours. Uh, I think there are going to be some other zoos uh, around the country that are going to be in that same circumstance that uh, they will uh, have an elephant die in yeah. a single specimen, and we can take those and provide an excellent, uh, uh, really, quality of life until they uh, till their end. Yeah. And that's that's our goal, is to provide that kind of service here, and then on the benefit of that, too, is our visitors get to see elephants all the time. Yeah, I imagine that would be a, a part of your, your statement to this, but I, I, you mentioned the animal, animal welfare groups. They can certainly be loud. We certainly see a lot of that on social media as well. Would some of your answer be that you are offering homes for these animals? You are offering care and nutrition and health for them that they otherwise might not get. So that is a, a net positive, let alone the chance to educate the public and educate people into those animals' needs as well. And, and that's part of it. And when we design the exhibit, we wanted to accomplish two things. One, here's approximately the day in the, uh, of an elephant in the wild, and here's the day of the elephant in human care. And if you go down to the elephant uh, care center, you'll notice it's wide open as far as view goes. We want to make sure that we do everything in front of the public so that they know that we're providing the best care. Uh, many times, animal rights organizations accuse uh, zoos of mistreating elephants, especially. And we don't, and we want people to see that, and, and we can refute any, any complaints that would come from those organizations. We're taping this on a, uh, a day where there's a nice blanket of snow outside. <laughs> what are some of the challenges, because this is your, your background, uh, of ha- running a zoo in the Midwest? What are maybe the challenges or also the benefits of, of having animals from all around the world in these conditions here? Because we know it can certainly fluctuate in Wisconsin. <laughs> We have um, the benefit of seasons, I think, uh, and especially in our North American animal collection, you can see how they move through the seasons. With uh, In the springtime, they've got their heavy coat, and they start to shed that. And then in summertime, they've got this slick uh, look, and they're uh, more active. And then during the fall, they start to bulk up and get their heavy coats back, and then they'll hibernate. Uh, so we're, we're able to highlight that throughout the year. Uh, we also have the advantage of our facilities. Uh, I would say that probably 75, at least 75% of our animal collection is indoors, and you can see them year-round. So when we have a really cold winter or snowy or whatever it is, you can always come to the zoo, always be guaranteed that you're going to see most of the animals right. that we have. There's a number of families I saw on the way and bundled up and ready to see some animals uh, here this morning. Uh, I have to say this because we just did a story on it recently, but watching the bears pack on the pounds for hibernation is amazing. It's never not uh, entertaining, I think. I, I just wonder if, if humans would do that. Boy, <laughs> would we look bad <laughs> about this time of year and then 
by springtime, we're svelte and ready to go. Good to go. Uh, being able to shut down for a couple months has a nice uh, feel <laughs> to it too. That, that might be something healthy there. We've talked a lot about elephants, and, and you mentioned that that's kind of near and dear to your heart. Have they always been uh, one of the favorites when it comes to animals that you've followed and, and enjoyed working with? Yes, they are. Uh, I've had the uh, fortune and opportunity to travel to Africa. I just completed a 17th uh, safari uh, this past uh, summer. Every time, one of the most, I, I guess, rewarding experiences for me is to see the elephants and to just watch them. They, uh, their interactions with each other, their youngsters, uh, the, just the, the habits that they have. And uh, so they're amazing creatures. And yes, they're, I have to admit, one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm very jealous of someone who loves to travel. I've yet to add a, a safari to my list, so I'll have to do that. How, how do you travel? Do you always look at, at kind of the animal side of things? Or are you seeking out some of the experiences like that? Because I imagine uh, the chances to see some of those animals in the wild is just you can't compare. Uh, no, you can't compare it. Um, what we do is to just take groups of people um, and I've traveled myself or with my wife to uh, just the two of us, but uh, it's it's uh, introducing people to to animals in the wild in Africa, so that when they come back, they have a, a just a greater appreciation for that. It's it's an experience that not everybody has an opportunity to do, but it's uh, in one of the people in the group that uh, went with us this last summer. When she came back, she says it was life changing. You know, and when you get somebody who who says that and and sincerely says that, that's what we want to do. Make sure that once they're there, because it's not just the animals; it's the culture, it's the people, it's the rough roads sometimes, and the weather. But it's uh, it's an experience that uh, I wish we could give to everyone, but. By coming to the zoo, maybe we can give you a touch of that. Sounds like Africa and some of the safari animals have been uh, a lot of the focus. Any other places that you've traveled to that have been kind of noteworthy when it comes to animals? Uh, Well, I've been to Costa Rica and I've been to Iceland. Wow. Two different kind of sorts of experiences. But uh, yes, that's, uh, that's what I enjoy really doing. Iceland was one of my favorite trips. I've only been there uh, once or twice, but we saw the puffins, which are over your shoulder on a shelf behind yes. you, uh, a statue of them. Those are incredible to see, and some of the other uh, horses and everything. It's a it's a magical land for sure. I uh, at another zoo, uh, the zoo in Peoria, Illinois. Um, we uh, had a, the opportunity to build a puffin exhibit, hmm. and so I went to Iceland to collect pufflings, pufflings, which <laughs> are puffin chicks, and uh, we went out to uh, Westman Eyer or the Westman Island and actually went, put our hands in the burrows, and, and uh, we were able to collect a few and bring them back. Wow. We also had an Icelandic course in one of our demonstrations, and uh, the, the pace that they have is unique, and it's something that, uh, as you mentioned, uh, when you're in Iceland, you want that experience. Yeah. What is it about seeing animals in the wild that, as much as you guys try to recreate some of that here, is just different? What are some things that you notice when you get to observe animals like that? You, you'll notice that not everyone is a uh, perfect specimen that uh, there are flies. <laughs> there's Those th- smells again, I'm sure, yes, right? <laughs> yes, that, that's true. Uh, there are scars and, and things that uh, these animals are going through real life. It's not quite as easy as it is here in the zoo where, you know, the food comes out at four o'clock every day <laughs> and, and things. You have to go hunt for it. Uh, it's a, a case, though, uh, where you see animals that we we keep things as as clean as possible here because we think that that's part of good welfare offering. But uh, some of the animals, one of the things we saw this last time was there were probably a hundred hippos, 
and this river had dried up, and there was one spot left, and they were all in that, and hippos poop in the water. <laughs> and I can't imagine how that could be healthy, but they all were. <laughs> wow. We can promise the sanitation in the new hippo exhibit yeah, that's right. yes. significantly different, right? You mentioned uh, some of the circle of life things, too, and is this the nature of that, that there are animals that pass away when they're here at the zoo? How do you guys handle that? What do you uh, learn from that when it happens, if, if it's not a natural death? And then what are the other ways that I imagine you guys are the ones that care the most when that happens? Oh, definitely. The uh, the animal staff, well, everyone does. Uh, but we, we have a quality of life uh, analysis that we do on a regular basis for some of the geriatric animals or some that have uh, had a chronic illness. And when we feel that it's reached a point that uh, the animal is not comfortable, is not having a, a good quality of life, then we have an, uh, the ability to euthanize them. Uh, and that's a process where the veterinarian is involved, the keepers and the area supervisors, the curators, and then finally myself signing off on that. So it's not something that we take uh, lightly at all, uh, but at the same time, it's a very humane approach we have. And there are, we've had some favorites or some, some of the, especially the large animals that, uh, you know, you just know that they're there all the time. And then when it comes time, you think, oh, gosh, yeah. but... What, you have to do what's best. Yeah, and that's an important lesson in, in life as well for, for people who do come to the zoo. I'll get back on a, a lighter note here for folks who don't get to travel around and do some amazing safaris and whatnot. What are some of your favorites here at the zoo that you think, uh, if someone's coming for the first time or maybe hasn't necessarily seen these, would be the ones that, that you can't miss or that you really enjoy uh, seeing? Well, two things that, uh, that we have. Uh, once you enter the zoo, and we've got two entrances uh, we want that, that really sense of arrival at the zoo, and we want that, uh, that first exhibit that you see to be active and to have a number of animals in it. We have uh, in the main entrance, you walk in, and the first thing you see is the Humboldt penguin exhibit. And they're usually active, swimming. Uh, there's a lot of conversation that goes around that. You can see them underwater. That's, that's what we want to create. And when we built the, the new entrance on the west end of the zoo, uh, we did that with North American river otters. Those animals are active all the time in the water and really reacting to people <laughs> and the children that get up to the glass and they follow them back and forth and then they'll run over to the next pool and the kids got to run over there and see them. <laughs> so that's, that's something that I think was important as far as having that sense of arrival so that you know that you're at the zoo, you've left the parking lot and everything else behind, and now you're going to have fun for the rest of the day. How about some of the underrated parts that you think maybe uh, are not everyone's list, but you think maybe should be or they should not miss if they come out? Well, uh, I think that um, the aviary is a building that uh, you need to walk through slowly. A lot of people go very quickly, but the bird collection that we have is marvelous. And when you can see the diversity in all of the birds and their colors and their size and their, their habits, it's, it's something that, to take some time for. Uh, the small mammal building also is one that is probably less traveled uh, because we have nocturnal side to that. And uh, you have to spend some time looking for the animals and watching so that uh, you can really enjoy that. I don't know if uh, anything will come off the top of your head for this, but um, as someone who knows so much about animals, any kind of fun facts about the different animals that are here at the zoo that come to mind, whether it's the elephants, whether it's the hippos that people have to look forward to, or, or something else that 
you always think is a pretty interesting nugget about some of those different creatures. Well, I think that, uh, especially in great apes, uh, the amount of training that goes on here, we can take uh, blood samples uh, voluntarily from uh, a number of our great apes. Mm. Uh, The bonobos, which is a pygmy chimpanzee, we have uh, full ultrasounds from conception to birth, and and they enjoy that, uh, you know, relaxing and laying there for that. Uh, the uh, number of things that the, the animals are trained for just for husbandry purposes. They're not tricks or anything. They're all to help uh, with their care. So I, I, that's something that it's not easy to show people. We have had some areas where we can do that, especially elephants. Uh, part of the new exhibit is a big demonstration area where the elephants come out. Keepers demonstrate how they ask them uh, for various behaviors. Uh, they know probably by command uh, close to 40 different behaviors, and they know right from left and rear and front and and up and down, and uh, it's it's amazing to watch them. And that's all done by rewarding uh, the animal for good behaviors, and if they don't want to participate, the keeper says okay and walks away. Mm-hmm. But the animals pretty soon enjoy that and want the companionship and the attention so they they willingly participate interesting and yeah that's something uh, very few people would know unless you're here all every day all, all year long kind of seeing that get developed and those relationships get developed uh speaking of the year over the next say year i know you guys have a lot coming down the pipeline as well what are you most excited for uh for 2020 for the near future for the milwaukee county zoo certainly the most exciting thing we're going to do is open the hippo exhibit in june That's something that's been a long time coming. Uh, We started that uh, planning process 10 years ago and finally got to the point where we could construct it. So that's that's a primary uh, exciting thing for me. Uh, Also, we'll have uh, dinosaurs. Uh, the animatronic dinosaurs will bring him back. Yeah, not living ones for that. (laughs) Right, and it's it's something that uh, really people really enjoy. Um, We have uh, a number of special events. Something that uh, really went well last year was the Harry Potter hmm. uh, day in the, or evening, I guess it was. Uh, we have uh, summer um, uh, nighttime uh, events on Wednesdays, sunset safaris. Uh, we'll have uh, just a la carte again. With uh, We beefed up the entertainment budget for that, so hopefully we'll have some uh, bigger names that are coming in. During the summer months, we've got something going here probably – uh, more than 75% of the days are evenings, so uh, it's, it's a busy place. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, hard work and there's a lot of challenges that come along with it, but you sound like someone who, who still loves what he does 30 years into this at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Well, I started as a zoo director somewhere back in 1973, so I have been very, very fortunate to have a, a, a profession for that, uh, 40-some years, and uh, it's It's amazing. Yes, I wouldn't have traded that for anything in the world. I was about to wrap it up because I thought that was a perfect place, but I forgot about this. Any particular thing on the shelves behind you or in this office, since we are sitting here, that, that you think has particular uh, either memory or <laughs> value to you well, over the I, years? I'm kind of a collector of odd things, and if you look around, you'll, you'll see some things like this cylinder of cement here. That uh, I, When we started the hippo exhibit, that's the thickness of the walls in the pachyderm building. The Pachyderm building was actually declared a civil defense shelter back wow. in, in the early 60s. So I said, I got to have that. Just to Acquired. describe it, it's a very thick piece of <laughs> yes. concrete or whatever material that yes. is there. And it's heavy. Yeah. But other things include uh, shovels and other 
items that we've used uh, when we've uh, broken ground on something or we've opened an ex exhibit. Yeah. Uh, and then things that I just collect or people give to me along the way because they think I ought to have it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great collection here. Thank you very much for uh, showing that off and, and giving us a little bit behind-the-scenes look at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. It is time now for the Fox Six Pack of Questions, a chance to get to know the names and faces and people bumping their arms on the other <laughs> side of the microphone that you see every day here on Fox Six. Ben Handelman, my fellow anchor who I very rarely overlap with, joining us. Thank you, sir. People in the grocery store have been asking, like, oh, man, how's Carl doing? And I'm like, I never see <laughs> yeah, him. We We're just on different don't see ends each of other. the uh, news spectrum, so it's good to see you in the flesh. I don't want to be staying up until 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> even though sometimes I do, and you don't want to be getting up at, like, 2.30 in the morning. No, so. or 5 in the morning. Yeah. That's even too early yeah, for even me. so. All right, this is going to be fun. Uh, first of all, for people who are not familiar, what year did you start? And uh, you were in a slightly different role than you are now. Start here at Fox Six. Yeah, or, uh, here Fox on the Six. Okay. <laughs> uh, 2011 was my first year uh, at Fox Six. Yeah, my uh, TV market before that, I was in Champaign, Illinois, Springfield, Illinois. But I've been here almost nine years, and it's gotten to the point when people say, "Where are you from?" Like, the answer is now Milwaukee. Yeah, it feels you know, like it home, takes a right? few years. But Absolutely. Yeah, it's a nomadic lifestyle being in news sometimes. So Absolutely. nine years can be an eternity. All right, that was not one of the questions. That was a bonus. So <laughs> oh, we'll start wow, with question okay. number one. Uh, besides the job, besides the chance to work here at a great station, what drew you to Milwaukee, a place you, that you now feel is kind of like home? Yeah, for me, it was a job opportunity. So I was down in uh, Champaign and looking for a bigger market, and I got the call from Fox 6 and realized, wow, this is like one of the best TV stations in the yeah. country. Uh, so I've been on every show. I started as a weekend morning anchor. Nice. So I started on mornings uh, when I was here doing the weekend uh, wake-up stuff. And over time, they moved me to weekend nights. And all of a sudden, here I am on uh, weekday nights. Just so, keep yeah. on climbing, yeah, right? Exactly. It keeps on working out for us. All right, number two, outside of work and home, where are we most likely to find you around Ooh, town? Probably along the lakefront. Nice. I'm an east sider. I love the east side and spend a lot of time looking at the lake and walking next to the lake. So you'll find me Veterans Park, Juno Park, walking around. So, I mean, it's the best thing that Milwaukee has is Lake Michigan. Any so. fans of your big boats alter ego will, will know yep. that to be true, I, right? I started a boat blog, um, not because I'm a huge guy in the ships, but <laughs> I was just interested at what was out my window one day and thought it would be funny to post about ships, and now it's turned into something. So bigboatsmke.com, you can read all about the big ships that come <laughs> It is actually Milwaukee. pretty interesting, all the different cruise ships yeah, and yachts I mean, and things that you don't never well, necessarily realize. Well, people come realize. up to me who have now follow the blog, which I think is strange that, pe you know, I, I kind of do it as like just for fun uh, and just thought it was interesting. All these people think I'm really into ships. I'm like, I know nothing about <laughs> ships. Like, I was fascinated that these I mean, they come from Europe yeah. and other places and go through the St. Lawrence Seaway and, you know, past Detroit and all that stuff and eventually make it here. And I was just these things are huge, and uh, there's apps on the internet that tell you where they came from. So I'm like, I'm just going to take pictures of ships 
and post where they came from, and now it's become a thing. So it's big a sensation that's captured Milwaukee, People think I'm a boat right? guy, and I really know nothing about it. <laughs> what it's like. I've never been on one of these ships, but yeah. <laughs> you got to work this into that sometime, <laughs> right? All right. What's your story here? What, uh, what and where was the last great meal you had around the area? That's a good one. I'm really in the Mexican Conejitos. Ooh, that's okay. a staple, probably. Yep. You know, not your fanciest meal, but hey, as if far it's as good, it's actually good. anything down there uh, on the south side is pretty good. All cool. the Mexican joints. There's yeah. fewer of them now. A, few, a couple of them closed. Yeah, but yeah. The okay. oldies but goodies still going strong. All right, if we make a movie about the amazing life of Ben Handelman, <laughs> who has the honor of playing you in said movie? Um, my wife would say Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> not even an actor. He's a Chicago Cubs player. She thinks I look like him just, I think, because uh, we both have dimples. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. He's probably a terrible actor. He's a really I was good baseball say, player. I don't know how that's going to go Can over. I choose Brad Pitt? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You can choose Brad yeah, Pitt. Just, he's a good-looking guy. There so, you go. Uh, he just won a Golden Globes, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so next up would be, obviously, the career choice to make a movie about your life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they will... We got to get Brad Pitt on there. <laughs> we'll get I don't him on know the phone. what he would do besides yeah. wake up, walk around Lake Michigan, you know, in front of Lake Michigan. <laughs> Maybe and then go to work and is a big read teleprompters. It would be a very boring movie. But. <laughs> More of a character study, baby. All right. Uh, question number five. What is a talent or skill that we should really know about? Um, I have a boat blog. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard that. No, yeah. wow. <laughs> Tell me I don't more. have many skills. I'm a very un... You know, in high school, everyone played sports, yeah. and I did a few of those. I was the most average <laughs> sports player ever. So you were um, on the teams, but you weren't necessarily uh, yeah, I sat on the bench. I watched my friends play a lot of sports <laughs> and had a great seat to it. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have, like, this amazing... I was in talent that no, you don't get I, to show. I played tennis in high school and I play like twice a year now. <laughs> at, so I'm an untalented. That's my talent. Can you juggle? Is there uh, a random actually, like yo yo background? I can juggle have? three balls nice. for about five to 10 seconds. I think counts. So, Put it on the list. Yeah. Um, besides that, I have no talent. Don't worry. And that I've seems to be a common thread it. for many of the, our coworkers that I've interviewed yeah, don't myself. Don't the general manager around Right, here, right. So. Thankfully, I think we all found our home <laughs> or at least one outlet for our lack of talent. All right, last question for you. What is the most random job you've ever had? Ooh. I worked at a corn stand in my hometown. I grew like up in selling Connecticut. corn? Selling corn. Right. Made $5 an hour. There was a farmer. It was the, – the best part of it was that they had a kid sit there and sell corn. And then once, like, 5 o'clock hit, you would just leave out a box with money in it. And <laughs> you didn't need someone to actually do the job. Like, I was replaced by a box for after hours. But uh, that was pretty – and I worked a lot in delis. That was my huh. uh, gig growing up. So I was slicing a lot of meat and making sandwiches in high school and college. Do you have a specialty or uh, one Turkey sandwich. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think – it's all about the bread. People don't realize this about delis. And I get very mad because uh, I grew up in New England and there's just delis everywhere. Not like Subway. Yeah. Not Jimmy John's. Like real delis. And we've got some good ones uh, here in Milwaukee. Glorioso's yeah. pretty good. But it's all about the bread, Carl. People don't realize <laughs> that. Who cares what's in it? It's about the bread. So Ben is standing furious right now. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's all right.
Could that be also a special talent of mine? Uh, yeah, sandwiches? absolutely. I lost that skill years ago. Well, it, there's a way to get it back. Carl, this <laughs> has been fun. Lunch. Thank you. I've been listening to these been... to be a part of it. I'm on the inside now. I feel you like I'm finally on the made it. <laughs> no, just kidding. It's an honor to have you, Ben. Thank Thanks, you. Carl. Appreciate it.